Hey, Bible, y'all. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Bible Y'all podcast for Saturday, December 16th. Happy Barbie and Barney Backlash Day, which apparently is the one day a year it's okay for parents to tell their children that Barbie dolls and Barney the dinosaur ain't real. And I see Santa was left out of that little equation. Probably a good idea this close to Christmas. Now, the psych major in me says letting kids believe in Santa or the Tooth Fairy or whatever encourages fantasy play which helps develop imagination and creativity, which is why in the debate over whether you should let your kids believe in Santa, I say do it. They'll be much happier and we need all the creative people we can get. But the curmudgeon in me that works for a living says get your head out of the clouds, get a haircut and get a real job cause life will beat into you everything your parents don't, which is why in the debate over Santa, I still say do it. Cause you want your kid to be as jaded as you and me are before they even get to kindergarten? No, no you don't. Which brings me to today's other holiday, the Day of Reconciliation, commemorating the end of apartheid, which it does, and fostering national unity, which it don't. See, long time ago in South Africa, whites were in charge and badly oppressed the blacks. Of course, the African National Congress was no angels either. They were basically a terrorist group. Then in the 90s, apartheid fell and everybody lived happily ever after, right? Wrong. 30 years later, the ANC is the new apartheid and is getting vengeance on the whites, including seizing farms, forced unemployment, torture, and murder, which of course they are. That's what always happens with balkanized enemies. The idea they'd ever live in peace was always pure fantasy, which is fine for little kids and Santa, but for adults, fantasy worlds always lead to a bullet in the head. Darn, Bible y'all kinda got dark, didn't it? Our reading for today is Micah 5, 1 through 7:20, Revelation 7, 1 through 17, Psalm 135, 1 through 21, and Proverbs 30, 5 and 6. So if y'all are ready, one time the squaw accused me of living in a fantasy world. I got so mad, I almost fell off my dragon. But before we get to the reading, let's me and the squaw do a review of yesterday's study. Okay, so yesterday, on December 15th, in the Old Testament, We read Micah 1.1 through 4.13, another new book. And the name Micah comes from the Hebrew word Mikayehu, which means who is like Jehovah. And Judges 17 and 18 give the account of a man named Micah who stole some silver from his mother and later returned it to her, at which point she dedicated it to the Lord's service and then used some of it to make a silver idol. This is not that Micah. This guy was a prophet in Judah for 59 years during the reigns of Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah. He prophesied in Judah while Hosea and Amos prophesied in Israel, and he was a contemporary of Isaiah. And he's called Micah the Moristhite, which means he was from a town called Moriseth, which is a little bitty town but kind of important in southwest Judah near the Philistine territory. It's also known as Moriseth Gath, and it was between Lachish and Achzib. And the name Moriseth Gath means possession of Gath. And Gath was Goliath's hometown. Remember him? Hmm. So some say Moriseth was dominated by that Philistine city. But it might also mean those who caused you to inherit Gath, meaning the family of David. But honestly, what's it matter? In chapter 1, Micah gets a word from the Lord. And the gist of it is, because Jacob has let Samaria cause him to transgress and sin, 
The Lord cometh forth out of his place, and will come down, and tread upon the high places of the earth. And the mountains shall be molten under him, and the valley shall be cleft as wax before the fire, and as waters that are poured down a steep place. And that sounds bad. <laughs> and he says, Declare ye it not at Gath, weep ye not at all, unless you want the Philistines to hear about it and take advantage. But in the house of Aphra, roll thyself in the dust. And the word Aphra means dust, and Micah is probably exchanging it for Ophrah, which is a town in the tribe of Benjamin. So he's making a pun. And then he lists some towns that are going to be pretty much overrun and who's going to beat them up. And he says, Therefore shalt thou give presents to Moresheth Gath, or to Moresheth of Gath, that is, to the Philistines of that country. And in chapter 2, he says, Woe to them that lie awake in bed and devise ways to cheat and hurt people. And they covet fields and take them by violence and houses and take them away. So they oppress a man in his house, even a man in his heritage. God does not like this Jezebel stuff using your position of authority to take advantage of the innocent. Fortunately, that never happens today. And God says he's going to punish them so severely, one will take up a parable against you and lament with a doleful lamentation, which sounds also bad. Yeah. Therefore thou shalt have none that shall cast a cord by lot in the congregation of the Lord. And cast a cord refers to surveying. He's saying you're not getting any of your land back. He says, prophesy ye not. Say they to them that prophesy, they shall not prophesy to them, that they shall not take shame. And the Jews often said to the prophets, prophesy ye not. We don't want to hear all your bad news. And God here says, fine, you got your wish. From now on, there'll be a famine of God's word in the land, which is bad, because people who are starving will eat anything they can get. And the reason is because ye pull off the robe with the garment from them that pass by securely as men averse from war which refers to oppressing people that are just going about their business. God hates that. So I'm taking all your prophets away. If a man walking in the spirit and falsehood do lie, saying, I will prophesy unto thee of wine and strong drink, he shall even be the prophet of this people. He's saying, if y'all have a prophet, he ain't from me. He's a liar. So go on and believe him when he says, eat, drink, and be merry, because y'all are getting what y'all asked for. He says, I will surely assemble, O Jacob, all of thee. I will surely gather the remnant of Israel. I will put them together as the sheep of Basra, as the flock in the midst of their fold. And most people think that refers to the coming captivity, that they'll be herded like sheep and put in pens. And chapter 3 says, And I said, Here I pray you, O heads of Jacob, and ye princes of the house of Israel, judgment's coming, because y'all hate the good and love the evil, and eat the flesh of my people and flay their skin from off them. And they break their bones and chop them in pieces as for the pot and as flesh within the cauldron. The Benson Commentary says these are metaphorical expressions to signify the oppressions of the people by their heads. And I hope so. Otherwise, it's cannibalism. <laughs> and he reiterates again that he's cutting off the prophets. He says, Then shall the seers be ashamed and the diviners confounded. Yea, they shall all cover their lips, for there is no answer of God. But truly I, Micah, right here, am full of power by the Spirit of the Lord, and of judgment and of might. And I'm here to declare unto Jacob his transgression, and to Israel his sin. So listen up. Zion, for your sake, be plowed as a field, and Jerusalem shall become heaps. And then in chapter 4, he gives some prophecy of the last days. How do we know? Because verse 1 says, But in the last days it shall come to pass, that the mountain of the house of the Lord shall be established in the top of the mountains, and it shall be exalted above the hills, and people shall flow unto it. I believe he's talking about when Jesus comes back to rule after the tribulation. 
Because he says things like, he shall judge among many people, and there's no more war, and everybody will have their own vine and fig tree, and all people will walk, everyone in the name of his God, and we will walk in the name of the Lord our God forever and ever, and none of that's happened yet. But in that day, saith the Lord, will I assemble her that halteth, which means her that is weak or bowed down. And he's talking about the Jewish people. And that happened in 1948. Or maybe the process started in 1948 and isn't finished yet. That's kind of what I think. And he says, Now also many nations are gathered against thee, that say, Let her be defiled, and let our eye look upon Zion. And maybe that refers to the captivity, or maybe that refers to the final war against Israel that hasn't happened yet. And then in the New Testament, we read Revelation 6, 1-17. And this is the opening of that sealed scroll we were talking about in Revelation 5. So there's seven seals. The first seal is the white horse, which is the overcoming conqueror. Verse 2 says, And I saw and behold a white horse, and he that sat on him had a bow, and a crown was given unto him, and he went forth conquering and to conquer. And horses represent judgment in the Bible, which I just learned, but that makes sense. And the word crown in the Greek is Stephanos, and it's a victor's crown like an athlete might get, not a diadem, which is like a ruler's crown. And people think because this is a white horse, this must be Jesus, but it's not. Number one, Christ will wear a diadem, the crown of a sovereign, a reigning monarch, not a Stephanos. And Christ is the one opening the seals. He's not inside them. I mean, this rider on this horse is called forth by the living creatures, which Jesus ain't called forth by nobody. You wait on him. He don't wait on you. (laughs) And the rider carries a bow and Christ carries a sword, which is his word. This guy is probably the Antichrist. And it's talking about when he conquers and takes over in the beginning, mostly through peace. Because the next guy, the second seal, is the red horse, and that's wars. Verse 4 says, And there went out another horse that was red, and power was given to him that sat thereon to take peace from the earth, and that they should kill one another. And there was given unto him a great sword. And red is a color associated with terror and death. And then they open the third seal, which is the black horse, and black is the color of famine. Verse 5 says, And I beheld, and lo, a black horse, and he that sat on him had a pair of balances in his hand. And I heard a voice in the midst of the four beasts say, A measure of wheat for a penny, and three measures of barley for a penny. And see thou hurt not the oil and the wine. And the KJV guys translated it, A measure of wheat for a penny. But most other translations actually get it right. The idea is, A day's worth of food, or less, for a day's wages. So if you got a family to support or you got to pay the power bill, you can forget it. you got to work all day just to feed yourself. And it's not because there's no food, but because the government is rationing it. Because the voice says, see thou hurt not the oil and the wine. And the equivalent in modern culture of oil and wine is like luxuries, like toiletries and beauty aids and liquor. And there's still plenty of that. You're just not allowed to have any. Which is what famines are. Out of all the famines of the 20th century... Not one was due to environmental causes. It was all about the governments withholding food from the people, usually to kill them off. Google the Holodomor in the USSR, and you'll see what I mean. Or, let me put it this way. Back during Bush 1 and the Clinton administration, while the U.S. was airlifting food into Ethiopia because of the famine, and the news was staging photos of starving kids, I'm not saying they weren't starving, I'm just saying the photos were staged. While all that was going down, One of Ethiopia's main exports was wheat, so they were selling off all their wheat while their people were starving. Anyway, they opened the fourth seal, and we have the pale horse, which is death. 
Verse 8 says, And I looked, and behold, a pale horse, and his name that sat on him was death, and hell followed with him. And power was given unto them over the fourth part of the earth, to kill with the sword, and with hunger, and with death, and with the beasts of the earth. And the word pale in the Greek is chloros, and it means actually ghastly green. It's the same root as chlorophyll. And in Leviticus, it's the color of leprosy. And you remember that scene in the beginning of the movie Tombstone, where that guy's trying to translate what the preacher's saying and he can't quite understand? And he says he's saying something about a sick horse. Well, this is the verse he was quoting. So that's cool. Whoever wrote that knew what they were talking about. And if you've never seen Tombstone with Kurt Russell and his epic facial hair, rent it today. It's one of the best movies ever made. And Val Kilmer as Doc Holliday is hands down his best role. But anyway, so this writer is going to kill 25% of everybody with a sword or hunger or death or with the beasts of the earth. And the word translated death refers to pestilence which makes some people think the word beasts don't just refer to like bears and stuff, but also bacteria and viruses and disease, hence the sickly green horse. So all due respect to Elmer Layton, Jim Crowley, Harry Stooldrayer, and Don Miller of Notre Dame's Fighting Irish, here's your real four horsemen of the apocalypse. (laughs) Then Jesus opens the fifth seal, and it's worth noting that the way these ancient title deeds were designed, you broke a seal and unrolled it a little bit, then you broke another and unrolled it a little more. And I don't know what that means, but it's got to be something. And verse 9 says, And when he had opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the souls of them that had been slain for the word of God and for the testimony which they held. And under the altar are all the souls of people who were martyred for Jesus' sake. And note that these souls are conscious. They're not sleeping. And the Greek word martus, where we get the English word martyr, means witness. And the word of God is also a synonym for Christ. So these are witnesses for Christ, and they were murdered for it. And they cried with a loud voice, saying, How long, O Lord, holy and true, dost thou not judge and avenge our blood on them that dwell on the earth? And white robes were given unto every one of them, which signifies righteousness. And it was said unto them that they should rest yet for a little season, until their fellow servants also and their brethren, that should be killed as they were, should be fulfilled. So how long do you avenge us, Lord? Just a little while longer, because there's still some martyrs left to be killed. And verse 12, And I beheld when he had opened the sixth seal, and lo, there was a great earthquake, and the sun became black as sackcloth of hair, and the moon became as blood. And the word earthquake is seismos, which means shaking, which implies literal earthquakes. And then verse 13 says, And the stars of heaven fell unto the earth, even as a fig tree casteth her untimely figs, when she is shaken of by a mighty wind. And I don't know what stars means, maybe a meteor shower, you know, what we call shooting stars, that causes some kind of damage. And stars are symbolic of angels elsewhere in the Bible, so maybe we have a return of the Nephilim, like some people think, or maybe they show up pretending to be aliens, like some other people think, or maybe it's symbolic of something we ain't figured out yet. And in verse 14 it says, And the heaven departed as a scroll when it is rolled together, and every mountain and island were moved out of their places. And I don't know what that's about either, but when it happens, it doesn't sound like something you'll miss. And the Bible talks about stretching the heavens in a lot of places which implies some pretty advanced concepts in physics, like the multidimensional universe. So like, picture a piece of paper, and that represents two dimensions, length and width. In order to roll it up, you need a third dimension, height. So to roll up the three-dimensional heavens, you need a fourth dimension, or a fifth if time is the fourth, but probably not, time is probably part of the three we live in. Whatever it is, it's bad for some folks, because verse 15 says, And the kings of the earth, and the great men, and the rich men, and the chief captains, and the mighty men, and everybody, basically, 
They hid themselves in the dens and in the rocks of the mountains. And they said to the mountains and rocks, Fall on us, and hide us from the face of him that sitteth on the throne, as if you could, and from the wrath of the Lamb, as if you could. For the great day of his wrath has come, and who shall be able to stand? Well, nobody. That's who. And the wrath of the Lamb doesn't sound very threatening, but it sure is, apparently. <laughs> so the kings hide in caves, like in Isaiah 2, 10 through 19 And something similar is mentioned in Joshua 10, 16. And it's worth bringing up here that the book of Joshua appears to be a model for the book of Revelation. In the Hebrew, Joshua is Yehoshua, which is a variant of Yeshua, which is Greek for Jesus. So when you see an Old Testament book named Jesus, it should get your attention. Both of them are like military commanders dispossessing usurpers from the land. Remember, we talked about that in Joshua. There's a seven-year campaign, which is how long the tribulation lasts. Technically, it's the 70th week of Daniel. And against seven of an original ten nations, which we'll get to. And both of them send in two witnesses, which we'll also get to. There's seven trumpet events. And they're preceded by silence in heaven for a half hour. And there's enemies confederated under a leader in Jerusalem named Adonai Zedek, the Lord of Righteousness. He's ultimately defeated with hailstones and fire from heaven and signs in the sun and moon and stars and stuff. And then the kings hide in caves and cry out for rocks to fall on them. Each of the four living creatures called each of the horsemen to come after Jesus broke the seal. And after the third seal was broken and the horseman was called to come, another voice from the center of the beast gave directions to that horseman not to harm the oil and the wine. Sounds like Father God. And then the creatures are silent for the rest of the seal. I don't know what that means, but it's interesting. And then in Psalms, we read Psalm 134, 1 through 3, and it's a song of degrees. Lift up your hands in the sanctuary and bless the Lord. Right now. Get after it. Now, the NAS, the New American Standard, titles this psalm, Greetings of Night Watchers. And it sounds like an exhortation and a blessing on the night shift in the house of the Lord. And then in Proverbs, we read Proverbs 30, 1 through 4. And this is actually a prophecy. Verse 1 says, The words of Agur, the son of Jake, even the prophecy, the man spake unto Ithiel, even unto Ithiel and Ukal. So who are these people? Don't know. Whoever they are, they must have been important enough to somebody that he included them in this book of Proverbs. Jake is thought to have lived in either Solomon's time or soon after, and to have been famous in his generation for wisdom and piety. Which is weird, because the next two verses are Agur talking about how ignorant and uneducated he is. But verse 4, we get to the meat of it. It says, Who hath ascended up into heaven, or descended? Well, a lot of people have ascended, I guess, but only one descended. And that must be who we're talking about, because the next thing he says is, Who hath gathered the wind in his fists? Who hath bound the waters in a garment? Who hath established all the ends of the earth? What is his name? And what is his son's name, if thou canst tell? So, way to be hyper-specific there, Agar. Woohoo! Now, according to Haley's Bible Handbook, Agar may be a friend of Solomon's, but just seems like if that was the case, we'd know a little bit more about him. Anyway, he has a burden to tell a couple folks, and there's some indication that they may have been his students. He's essentially seems to be telling them that all he has going for him is that he knows God. Which is enough. But that's the end of our review of yesterday's study. Thanks for your help, babe. Our reading in the Old Testament for December 16th is Micah 5, 1 through 7:20. Now gather thyself in troops, O daughter of troops. He hath laid siege against us. 
they shall smite the judge of Israel with a rod upon the cheek. But thou, Bethlehem Ephrata, though thou be little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of thee shall he come forth unto me, that is to be ruler in Israel, whose goings forth have been from old, from everlasting. Therefore will he give them up, until the time that she which travaileth hath brought forth. Then the remnant of his brethren shall return unto the children of Israel, and he shall stand and feed in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God, and they shall abide. For now shall he be great unto the ends of the earth. And this man shall be the peace, when the Assyrian shall come into our land. And when he shall tread in our palaces, then we shall raise against him seven shepherds and eight principal men. And they shall waste the land of Assyria with the sword, and the land of Nimrod in the entrances thereof. Thus shall he deliver us from the Assyrian, when he cometh into our land, and when he treadeth within our borders. And the remnant of Jacob shall be in the midst of many people, as a dew from the Lord, as the showers upon the grass, that tarrieth not for man, nor waiteth for the sons of men. And the remnant of Jacob shall be among the Gentiles in the midst of many people, as a lion among the beasts of the forest, as a young lion among the flocks of sheep, who, if he go through, both treadeth down, and teareth in pieces, and none can deliver. Thine hand shall be lifted up upon thine adversaries, and all thine enemies shall be cut off. And it shall come to pass in that day, saith the Lord, that I will cut off thy horses out of the midst of thee, and I will destroy thy chariots. And I will cut off the cities of thy land, and throw down all thy strongholds. And I will cut off witchcrafts out of thine hand, and thou shalt have no more soothsayers. Thy graven images also will I cut off, and thy standing images out of the midst of thee. And thou shalt no more worship the work of thine hands. And I will pluck up thy groves out of the midst of thee. So will I destroy thy cities. And I will execute vengeance in anger and fury upon the heathen, such as they have not heard. Chapter 6 Hear ye now what the Lord saith. Arise, contend thou before the mountains, and let the hills hear thy voice. Hear ye, O mountains, the Lord's controversy, and ye strong foundations of the earth. For the Lord hath a controversy with his people, and he will plead with Israel. O my people, what have I done unto thee? And wherein have I wearied thee? Testify against me. For I brought thee up out of the land of Egypt, and redeemed thee out of the house of servants. And I sent before thee Moses, Aaron, and Miriam, O my people, remember now what Balak king of Moab consulted, and what Balaam the son of Beor answered him, from Shittim unto Gilgal, that ye may know the righteousness of the Lord. Wherewith shall I come before the Lord, and bow myself before the high God? Shall I come before him with burnt offerings, with calves of a year old? Will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams, or with ten thousands of rivers of oil? Shall I give my firstborn for my transgression, the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? He hath shewed thee, O man, what is good. And what doth the Lord require of thee but to do justly, and to love mercy, and to walk humbly with thy God? The Lord's voice crieth unto the city, and the man of wisdom shall see thy name. Hear ye the rod, and who hath appointed it? Are there yet the treasures of wickedness in the house of the wicked, and the scant measure that is abominable? Shall I count them pure with the wicked balances, and with the bag of deceitful weights? For the rich men thereof are full of violence, and the inhabitants thereof have spoken lies, and their tongue is deceitful in their mouth. Therefore also will I make thee sick in smiting thee, in making thee desolate because of thy sins. Thou shalt eat but not be satisfied, and thy casting down shall be in the midst of thee. And thou shalt take hold, but shalt not deliver, and that which thou deliverest will I give up to the sword. Thou shalt sow, but thou shalt not reap. Thou shalt tread the olives, but thou shalt not anoint thee with oil. And sweet wine but shalt not drink wine. 
For the statutes of Omri are kept, and all the works of the house of Ahab, and ye walk in their counsels, that I should make thee a desolation, and their inhabitants thereof an hissing. Therefore ye shall bear the reproach of my people. Chapter 7 Woe is me, for I am as when they have gathered the summer fruits, as the great gleanings of the vintage. There is no cluster to eat. My soul desired the first ripe fruit. The good man is perished out of the earth, and there is none upright among men. They all lie in wait for blood. They hunt every man his brother with a net, that they may do evil with both hands earnestly. The prince asketh and the judge asketh for a reward, and the great man he uttereth his mischievous desire, so they wrap it up. The best of them is as a briar. The most upright is sharper than a thorn hedge. The day of thy watchman and thy visitation cometh. Now shall be their perplexity. Trust ye not in a friend. Put ye not confidence in a guide. Keep the doors of thy mouth from her that lieth in thy bosom. For the son dishonoreth the father. The daughter riseth up against her mother. The daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. A man's enemies are the men of his own house. Therefore I will look unto the Lord. I will wait for the God of my salvation. My God will hear me. Rejoice not against me, O mine enemy. When I fall, I shall arise. When I sit in darkness, the Lord shall be a light unto me. I will bear the indignation of the Lord, because I have sinned against him, until he plead my cause and execute judgment for me. He will bring me forth to the light, and I shall behold his righteousness. Then she that is mine enemy shall see it, and shame shall cover her, which said unto me, Where is the Lord thy God? Mine eyes shall behold her. Now shall she be trodden down as the mire of the streets. In the day that thy walls are to be built, in that day shall the decree be far removed. In that day also he shall come even to thee from Assyria, and from the fortified cities, and from the fortress even to the river, and from sea to sea, and from mountain to mountain. Notwithstanding, the land shall be desolate because of them that dwell therein, for the fruit of their doings. Feed thy people with thy rod, the flock of thine heritage, which dwell solitarily in the wood, in the midst of Carmel. Let them feed in Bashan and Gilead, as in the days of old. According to the days of thy coming out of the land of Egypt will I shew unto him marvelous things. The nations shall see and be confounded at all their might. They shall lay their hand upon their mouth. Their ears shall be deaf. They shall lick the dust like a serpent. They shall move out of their holes like worms of the earth. They shall be afraid of the Lord our God, and shall fear because of thee. Who is a God like unto thee, that pardoneth iniquity, and passeth by the transgression of the remnant of his heritage? He retaineth not his anger forever, because he delighteth in mercy. He will turn again. He will have compassion upon us. He will subdue our iniquities. And thou wilt cast all their sins into the depths of the sea. Thou wilt perform the truth to Jacob and the mercy to Abraham, which thou hast sworn unto our fathers from the days of old. Our reading in the New Testament for December 16th is Revelation 7, 1-17. And after these things, I saw four angels standing on the four corners of the earth, holding the four winds of the earth, that the wind should not blow on the earth, nor on the sea, nor on any tree. And I saw another angel ascending from the east, having the seal of the living God. And he cried with a loud voice to the four angels, to whom it was given to hurt the earth and the sea, saying, Hurt not the earth, neither the sea, nor the trees, till we have sealed the servants of our God in their foreheads. And I heard the number of them which were sealed, And there were sealed an hundred and forty-four thousand of all the tribes of the children of Israel. Of the tribe of Judah were sealed twelve thousand. Of the tribe of Reuben were sealed twelve thousand. Of the tribe of Gad were sealed twelve thousand. Of the tribe of Asher were sealed twelve thousand. Of the tribe of Nephthalim were sealed twelve thousand. 
Of the tribe of Manassas were sealed twelve thousand. Of the tribe of Simeon were sealed twelve thousand. Of the tribe of Levi were sealed twelve thousand. Of the tribe of Issachar were sealed twelve thousand. Of the tribe of Zebulun were sealed twelve thousand. Of the tribe of Joseph were sealed twelve thousand. Of the tribe of Benjamin were sealed twelve thousand. After this I beheld, and lo, a great multitude, which no man could number, of all nations and kindreds and peoples and tongues, stood before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed with white robes and palms in their hands, and cried with a loud voice, saying, Salvation to our God, which sitteth upon the throne, and unto the Lamb. And all the angels stood round about the throne, and about the elders and the four beasts, and fell before the throne on their faces, and worshipped God, saying, Amen. Blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be unto our God for ever and ever. Amen. And one of the elders answered, saying unto me, What are these which are arrayed in white robes, and whence came they? And I said unto him, Sir, thou knowest. And he said to me, These are they which came out of great tribulation, and have washed their robes, and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Therefore are they before the throne of God, and serve him day and night in his temple. And he that sitteth on the throne shall dwell among them. They shall hunger no more, neither thirst any more. Neither shall the sun light on them, nor any heat. For the Lamb which is in the midst of the throne shall feed them, and shall lead them unto living fountains of waters. And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. Our reading in Psalms for December 16th is Psalm 135, 1-21. Praise ye the Lord. Praise ye the name of the Lord. Praise him, O ye servants of the Lord. Ye that stand in the house of the Lord, in the courts of the house of our God, praise the Lord, for the Lord is good. Sing praises unto his name, for it is pleasant. For the Lord hath chosen Jacob unto himself, and Israel for his peculiar treasure. For I know that the Lord is great, and that our Lord is above all gods. Whatsoever the Lord pleased, that did he in heaven and in earth, in the seas and all deep places. He causeth the vapors to ascend from the ends of the earth. He maketh lightnings for the rain. He bringeth the wind out of his treasures, who smote the firstborn of Egypt, both of man and beast, who sent tokens and wonders into the midst of thee, O Egypt, upon Pharaoh and upon all his servants, who smote great nations and slew mighty kings, Sihon king of the Amorites, and Og king of Bashan, and all the kingdoms of Canaan, and gave their land for an heritage, and heritage unto Israel his people. Thy name, O Lord, endureth forever, and thy memorial, O Lord, throughout all generations. For the Lord will judge his people, and he will repent himself concerning his servants. The idols of the heathen are silver and gold, the work of men's hands. They have mouths, but they speak not. Eyes have they, but they see not. They have ears, but they hear not. Neither is there any breath in their mouths. They that make them are like unto them. So is every one that trusteth in them. Bless the Lord, O house of Israel. Bless the Lord, O house of Aaron. Bless the Lord, O house of Levi. Ye that fear the Lord, bless the Lord. Blessed be the Lord out of Zion, which dwelleth at Jerusalem. Praise ye the Lord. And our reading in Proverbs for December 16th is Proverbs 30, verse 5 and 6. Every word of God is pure. He is a shield unto them that put their trust in him. Add thou not unto his words, lest he reprove thee, and thou be found a liar. And that'll do it for the 16th. Okay, y'all, let's do our 30-second meditation. Today's prayer is on Revelation 3-7, which says, And to the angel of the church in Philadelphia write, These things saith he that is holy, he that is true, he that hath the key of David, he that openeth and no man shutteth, 
and shutteth and no man openeth. So hit the 30 second back button on your podcast player a few times and meditate with me for a little while on holding fast to the Lord because prayer is the heavy artillery in the armor of God. So if you're ready, let's go. Father God, you alone are holy and true. You have set before us an open door that no man can shut. Help us to remain strong, to keep your word, and to never deny your name. Keep us from the hour of temptation, Lord, when the devil will try to coerce us into abandoning you for him. Keep us from those who worship him, and may they know your love for us. Thank you for your promise that if we but hold fast, he that overcomes will be a pillar in your temple. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Okay, that's all the Bible yalling I got for you tonight. Thank you, Father, for letting us study your word and for the gift of salvation through your Son, Jesus Christ. Please bless and keep everybody listening and let this podcast be a blessing to them somehow. Amen. You can look for us on Podbean, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Amazon, Google CastBox, and Facebook. If you like Bible Y'all and you want to support it, best thing y'all can do is to pray for me and Bible Y'all Squall and all our friends and family. And if you got anything you want us to pray for you about, email me at BibleYallPodcast at gmail.com. Otherwise, just go on out and try to make the world a better place. And if you can't make things any better, just try not to make them any worse. Thanks, everybody, and God bless y'all. Hey, Bible, y'all. Who Those are the four horsemen of the Notre Dame. Football players. Oh. They were football players. They called them the four horsemen of the apocalypse. Oh. Because they were big, tough guys. Somebody will get that. Yeah, I'm sure.